Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Who wants to quit their job? Probably a lot of people, if you're listening to this podcast and if you're in the property community or, or aiming to be, I think many, many people are happy with their jobs, but a lot of people aren't. Maybe it's not the job. Maybe it's their boss. Uh, maybe it's the environment. Maybe it's the having to be there nine to five. Well, <clears throat> whatever it is, property can help you quit your job. And it, I mean, it will, like any of your own business or any sector, in any industry, it will let you, you know, fire your boss and become your own boss. Uh, however, I think there's ways that you can achieve this a lot quicker and there's ways that you can free up your time and quit your job, become happier, get into property a lot quicker than how I've done it. And I knew this from the beginning. I mean, I didn't necessarily appreciate just how long, but I knew how long it would take, but you never really realize it until you experience it, until you feel it, right? Because it it's your personal situation. I buy buy to let. Vanilla single lets, as they're called, they generate 250 to 350 uh, passive income every month in terms of profit after um, after mortgage. How many of those do you need to quit your job? I mean, it depends on your income, but let's say the average UK salary is what, 24, 26K? So you need about two grand a month. If we take 250 per house, worst case, how many houses do you need? Well, you need two to get to 500, you need four to get to 1,000, you need eight to get to 2,000. Eight means eight times 25% deposits at a minimum. Depending on where you buy, that's anywhere from 10 grand to, well, unlimited. So firstly, there's a big obstacle in buy to let, and that first obstacle is the money. You you need the 25%, and if you then want to recycle your money or pay investors back, you potentially need to be pulling out a lot of money if you're not JVing, because that'll split your profit in half or less. So money's a problem. Okay, let's say you invest, let's just pick, oh, I don't know, somewhere like Liverpool or Birmingham. These places, let's just say, let's say 100k houses, yeah, let's just be really, really simple with the maths. You need eight of them, right, to be sort of financially free or financially secure or quit your job if your salary is this low, which for many of you, it, it, it may not be because you've worked for many, many years or you have different jobs or whatever. That's eight times 25 grand and you put you need a couple of grand for stamp, legals, if you get in a survey, survey, blah, 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 interest payments. You know, let's say read and then refurb, which could be anything, but let's just say you need 40 grand a house. Let's let's be really kind of easy, yeah? Four grand for cost, 11 grand for refurb, maybe you're probably gonna spend more. Let's just say 40 grand a house. You need 40,000 pounds eight times that's a lot of money and if you want to quit your job soon and if you're using one pot of 40 grand then of course you can but you're going to have to wait eight cycles or however long that is until you get the money to have your financial security or freedom that's long that is long and i haven't even gone into what a cycle looks like but you know that's a lot of money in an area where houses aren't that expensive compared to say london or the posh parts of the uk or whatever yet you still need a lot 
of money, right? So you look at that 40,000 eight times, right? And in total, it's what? 320 grand? My math's good? 220? About 320 grand. And you can have that, don't get me wrong. If you've got £3.20 in your account, you add a couple of zeros and you can have 320 grand if you have the right investors and the right team and whatever around you. But that is the first challenge. Like You have to just accept that when you're buying buy-to-lets. There is a, a lot of cost up front, not as much as HMOs because of the refurbs. Uh, but if you're buying buy-to-lets and you want to do BRR, there are costs involved, right? And they're not, you know, little costs. They can be expensive. So that's the first aspect of the cost you know, the cost of buying buy-to-let. Now let's talk about actually buying them. So before we get into the legal process, which is always good fun, really good fun. It's not good fun. I know you have a great sister. Before that, you have to do viewings. You have to visit your investment area, especially if it's far away, and you have to find these properties first. So finding them means doing X number of viewings to then get this many offers, to then get this many small amount accepted. That's a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money. Now, if you're doing BRR, expect, unless you find an absolute goldmine, expect to do that level of, you know, 100 offers, 150 viewings, two accepted. Right? I mean, it might be different for you, but that's kind of what I've experienced, and that's what I think my guests who've done BRR have experienced, at least at the start when, you know, you're really, really on the ground. So you've got, now I'm, I'm presenting to you this, you've got the money element, which is a big thing. Now you've got the time element to find the deal, which is which is time consuming. Don't get me wrong. Could be months, could be weeks, but one to two months, maybe one to three months, should we say? When you're first starting out and agents don't know you and you know, you're, you're just ooh, dropped into an area. Okay. Money, time to find deal. You got a deal. Congratulations. This is something to celebrate because they're not easy to find. You got a deal and... Now you're doing conveyancing. Quite a nice word. Uh, this can take anywhere from, well, anywhere from like five days till to 500 days, right? But I think on average for a buy to let, as long as you know, it's freehold, you haven't got too many issues, you've got good solicitor. The other side, are maybe not in a chain, it's vacant. And, you know, the, the kind of, the environment is kind of right. And it's it's likely to produce sort of a smoothish conveyancing. It can take anywhere from one to three months, I would say is probably a safe bet. I mean, I'm going to look, if I look at my, uh, the properties I've bought, I'll run through some numbers. So one of the buy-to-lets took 53 days in conveyancing. Another one took 25. That was auction. So it had to be 28 or less. Another one took 79. And this was where the seller wanted a fast sale. And I had to switch listers halfway through because I was going to, nope, I was going to, I have a cash investor, but that then changed and I had to bridge it. So then it went from my conveyancer to my solicitor. So a small delay, but not really. I don't know what took so long, really. I think it was a little bit on our side, but I think it was mainly their side. From what I can understand. And the agent was like, oh, it's taking ages. Even though the agent was also like, be patient, Edge. Like, the, this is how long it takes. And I was like, no, this is not how long it takes. It takes as long as we make it take. Uh, another one took 14 days. It had to. It was a two-week completion, repossession, or auction. Love those. Love those. As long as your bridger or your investor can act quick and you can read the legals and your solicitor's cool with it, it's pretty straightforward because it's auction, you know? The solicitor isn't reading the legal packs or doing much, no offense, legal work, you know, 
paperwork and shit. Uh, another one was 13 days. That was not auction. That was post-auction. Failed. Failed at auction. Went post. Took off auction conditions. And I said, look, I'll exchange in five days and we'll complete you know, whenever, pretty soon. And then we just did it in 13 days. So that was cool. Uh, that was bridging. So shout out to Gather Money. Sorted me out on that one. Another one took 60 days. That was because the title was unregistered and the seller was... The seller was just being really slow, actually. Yeah, there was no other reason. Another one took 28 days, auction. Uh, another one took 21 days, pre-auction. And two others took 28 days, auction. Uh, and another one took about... Oh, I need to add that up. But that was from the 3rd of December to 11th of February. So about two months. So you can see mine are all really under three months. I had one that went past it. I aim to do stuff as you know as quick as I can. 14 days is ideal. 28 days is cool. It also depends on my build team. I have a team I trust and teams I want to use. So I may just sort of say to my sister, look, I'm not in a rush, but 28 to 40 days is cool. As long as the seller is cool and like it's not going to affect their situation, then you know I'm not going to chase and be, be overly on it. But you heard how long it takes. Yeah, that's just to own the house. <gasps> Congratulations, you got the keys now. Now, refurb. If you haven't got a build team, meaning it's your first sort of one, which, it, you know, in this scenario, it probably is. You're going to have to find a build team, which hopefully you've done before. You know, I've talked about that on podcasts before. But you got refurb. If you're doing BRR, it's probably at least a month refurb. And again, I'm assuming here. So please, I'm just, you know, top, top level. About a month or two. Let's say a month and a half because everything goes wrong. And, you know, things get always get delayed. All the rain comes and it's just everything's very damp. Speaking from experience. So month and a half. Yeah, cool. So we've got about two months to find the deal. It's probably going to be two months in conveyancing. We're at four months now. And now you've got a month and a half of refurb. That's now we're at five and a half months. Okay. Oh, cool. It's ready for market. Boom. You've got to find a letting agent. You'll use one and they'll probably be crap. I've had that. You'll find a second and and they'll probably be crap. Oh, yeah, I've had that. You'll find a third and they'll probably be good. Yeah. So... You can see that you may not get things right the first time and that may cause delays. And I want to give you the worst case. You might have a great letting agent and it works. None of that stuff, but worst case. But let's say you get a good agent. We're at five and a half months. I'm going to list it, take them a few days, get the pictures, you know, some notice. They can come out and do it. Viewings, etc., etc. If you've bought in a high rental area demand, it could get let out the first viewing or it could take a few weeks. Let's say it takes... A week to find a tenant. No, you know what? Let's say two weeks, because most of mine, despite being in you know strong rental areas, have taken two weeks. So it takes two weeks to find a tenant. You now have a tenant, and now that you have a tenant, you are going to reference them, and this can take like one or two weeks. They may not want to move in straight away. They may have to move out of somewhere, etc. So let's say to find a tenant and then to actually get them moving in. It. it it could be a month, month and a half. And we're on five and a half so far. Let's add a month or so. So now we're on six and a half months. By the way, you, ain't, you haven't made a penny this whole time, by the way. Yeah, you've lost money because you're paying for the refurb, paying for council tax if you're not exempt, paying for insurance, paying the builders, paying the, the gas and electric that they're going to need to use. You've also devalued the house at some point in this process because you've stripped it back. So you've you've lost value in it as you rebuild it. This is not the most uh, attractive sort of scenario, right? And this is the reality of Vitalets. This is what happens. So six and a half months. 
to go from, oh, I want to buy to let to being like, oh, got a tenant in. I get my first month's rent. Oh, hold on. You've used an estate agent to find the tenant, right? And you can do it yourself, but I would always recommend using an estate agent. I don't use them to manage, but I use it to find the tenant. That's probably going to cost you your first month's rent, maybe half. Now the tenant fees ban has come in. They are charging a lot more than before. Let's say it costs you 90% of your first month's rent, yeah? For a good letting agent. It may cost less. Cool. Six and a half months. Rent. Oh. Well, yeah, they've taken it, haven't they? 90%. So here's your here's your tenor for the first month of rent. Seven and a half months later, there's your first rent. There's your first paycheck. Hmm. How does that sit with you in terms of wanting to quit your job? Have you got eight and a half months to wait to get 200 to 300 you know, pounds a month passive income when you want to quit your job tomorrow because you hate your boss and he's a knob? Not hate your boss. If you had, then you've got to leave a lot quicker than that. But you see my point. Like, buy to let is, is not necessarily the way to quit your job. And don't get me wrong. You could find a deal first time. It could have minimal refurb and it could you know, be on the rental within a, a month or two? Absolutely. But I want to give you the worst case, the realistic case, and sort of my experience. Now it doesn't take six and a half months because I'm always viewing, I'm always finding deals. So it probably takes, yeah, a month in conveyancing or less, a month and a half in refurb, turn it in by the end of the second or third month, making profit from the fourth month usually. And I'll refinance it before that or after six months, depending on the rates, depending on what's available, and how I funded it, who the, um, what the comparables are like at that time. And that's another thing. You're going to have to, now you're making money, six and a half months. You passed a six month, you know, annoying rule from some lenders. You can now remortgage. And you, you could do it earlier, but let's, let's just play it really conservative. And now you can remortgage. And that's another two months until you can remortgage to get off your bridge or pay your investor off. So even if you've got that first month where you ain't made a tenner, you're going to lose minus whatever their interest is whether it's monthly or whether it's rolled up, so technically losing it. And as you're switching to the remortgage, that month or so of the solicitors, you know, shuffling papers, uh, is going to then be a negative potentially, or it's going to be a lot less than a mortgage because you've got a bridge or an interest on it to, to a private investor that's higher than a mortgage. So yeah, N- you know, not the most attractive uh, strategy for quitting a job quickly. However, probably the most passive way probably the most long-lasting, maybe resistant to regulation and all this crap like council tax banding for HMO's rooms, you know, the, the lowest management, uh, long-term wealth and asset building strategy. And that's why I do it. You know, I had a business before that I quit and went straight into property and I had enough savings for probably about a year to live off, which, yeah, a year is going to be in like four months. Didn't realise that. So, for me, it was it was different because I didn't need to quit my job. I didn't need to get out of something ASAP. I had the saving because I knew, you know what? This is not actually going to give me income quickly. I'm going to need something to support me in the meantime. So I have my savings. And that's not easy for everyone to do. Mortgage, kids, cats, dogs, turtles, whatever you have, liabilities, right? Cars, etc. It, it's just not that straightforward to do for everyone. And I appreciate that. And that's why I want to go through buy to lets with you because I talk about how great they are how great they are and in my situation but if if you want to quit your job then I think you seriously have to consider deal sourcing which again 
can take them one to three months to find a deal, a month for conveyancing. So you're still looking at a couple of months. I, I think, and I haven't done these, the quickest way is to do rent to rent, whether it's rent to rent HMO or rent to SA. With those, you can get them set up for less than seven grand each, potentially depending on which one you do. You may not have to pay a deposit, may not have to pay a month's rent up front. You probably have to do one of the two. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't and who have been on my podcast. You can get the keys, you know, as soon as you're sort of referenced and offers accepted and they're, they're happy with the deposit or whatever the arrangement is. You can start refurbing it ASAP and getting it relisted for rent or, or SA sh- like straight away. As soon as the furniture's in, you can probably borrow that money on a credit card if you have a good credit limit. And you could, you know, say for your first investment, you could be making your, what, 300 to £1,000 a month on a property you don't own, you know, and it could be closer to home. I could do SAs where I live and HMOs, I rent a HMO and in London. That, that, that's pretty convenient for me. I couldn't, I couldn't do it where I invested necessarily, but I could do it here. And that's pretty cool. So I don't teach any rent to rent or rent to SA and, you know, there's, plenty of people who do and some have been on my podcast and I'm not here to kind of sell you a strategy I'm here to just say look if you're new and you want to quit your job buy to let and actually HMOs probably fall in the same category but less so because they will give you 800 a thousand two thousand pounds a month whatever in the same or slightly longer time frame than a buy to let would right so you're ahead of the game with HMOs but compared to rent to rents you're not so if you want to quit your job and you're unsure of the best strategy, you know, to do it, I think you seriously need to look at doing rent to rents first because people said to me, Ted, oh, my job's quite flexible. I have work from home. I have this. And I'm like, yeah, but how many views are you doing? Okay. If you were full time, would you not do 10 more than that? Or sorry, 10 times that in a week? Yeah, well, you would. So if you can do something to free up your time, even if you just got two rent to rents, yeah, and that's it. And they bought in 500 quid each. Let's say you said, you know what, all I need is a grand. For the next few months, hey, if there's a void, fine, we'll deal with it. All I need is a grand for the next few months while I build up, alongside my savings, my buy-to-let portfolio. So just be wary when you quit your job that you need to have a safety net. And that safety net could just be a couple rent to rents I know people who've got a couple and they're chilling. They're just chilling, making money, chilling. So again, as I always say, whatever works for you works for you and find out what that is, but don't brush these things to the side when they can be great ways to make money. Now, I'm not here saying to you, oh, yeah, I've been through all the rent to rent. I know all I'm saying is consider them because they could seriously change your outlook and get you out of your job a lot, lot, lot quicker, which is what I assume we all want. So if you are watching this on YouTube, please like, comment and subscribe. If you're on the podcast please subscribe and leave a review on the Facebook page or on iTunes. I really hope this has been helpful. Any questions, send me a DM, leave them in the comments below. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.